a podcast for dads who love music, made by dads who love music. And now, your hosts, Josh and Joe. Hello, and welcome to Dad Rocks, the podcast about being a dad and loving music and how the two intersect in our lives. I'm Josh, and I'm here with my co-host, Joe. What's up, Josh? And our producer, Steve. Hey, guys. On this episode, we're going to talk to Ricky Johnson. Ricky is someone I have known for almost 20 years, but our friendship isn't the reason why he's on the show. We've asked him to come on the show because he came into fatherhood in a completely different manner than Joe or I, and most fathers in general, as Ricky married someone who already had a kid. We will talk to him later on about his experience as an untraditional father and how his life experiences have shaped his approach to fatherhood. But before we get into the interview, let's check in. How have you guys been? How was your holidays and your new year? It's good. Things were pretty good. Uh, like like everybody else, the Christmas season, the holiday season was a, lo- a lot different. And New Year's Eve, for that matter, every all these holidays are different now. And <laughs> for most of us, you know, we're trying yeah. to be safe and and hunker down and be home. For myself, I just it was just me and the family, and just me and my kids and my wife. And my mom came over, and uh, we hung out for the holidays. The big news here with my house is that my ongoing music room project is finally done. My brother-in-law did a great job. Just need some sound, uh, sound panels going on. Yeah. Other than the sound panels, I mean, the room is set. I use extra thick drop ceiling panels. Nice. The sheet, we doubled the sheetrock. We put special noise proofing glue in between the sheetrock. So you know, we did what we could to to block out the sound and it does pretty well. It's mm-hmm. definitely great to have my drums here. Yeah. I haven't lived with my drums in almost 15 years. How how cathartic has it been to like actually been able to like go downstairs and just beat the crap out of them? Like when you're, <laughs> you know. It's been good. I haven't played as much as, as I wanted just because of work and other stuff comes up. You know, with drums are, as you know, are, are loud. It's, it's not, yes. it's a little yes. different than guitar. You kind of have to be in the right mood when it's very late at night, you're like, Oh yeah, now I, would, oh, yeah, I can't play now. You know, it's 11 o'clock or something. 10 o'clock. <laughs> like, you can, but it would annoy a lot of people. So, you know, but it's been great just to, 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 to rock out and better is that my son uh, who's 13 has shown an interest in playing. Nice. Sure. So I was just going to ask. He doesn't listen to down. anything I say when I try to help him, but um, <laughs> he comes down a lot and, and plays and he, he's, he's gotten pretty good. In the you know few times he's played, and I try to give him little pointers, but he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to hear. Hey man, at, <laughs> at least he, they're giving it a go. That's the that's the that's the main thing. But that was the main um, thing. Just I wanted to have it here so that they can just if they have an interest in it, sit down and bash away. So, yep. And uh, Steve, how have you been? Uh, you know, just yeah, same thing. Holidays were were distanced, and um, what what normally happens throughout the year is I'll pick up little things when I travel or when I you know go to these mom and pop stores in different places. So I, I, I had the forethought to grab a few things when I was in uh, Pittsburgh and one trip that was just the same thing, socially distanced, but I just had to get, you know, close to home. I was relying on the mail for, for my connection to my family in hmm. certain ways. So I'm still waiting for certain packages to get to certain family <laughs> members. And that's a whole thing. But yeah, I mean, just trying to keep productive, keep feeling like, again, now that we know about how the, the inauguration is gone and, Things are going to go more our way as as far as I mean, just seeing politicians in the Oval Office all wearing masks like that's a huge deal. That's a Things huge are gonna deal. Things are going to get boring. Yeah, <laughs> Things are going to be boring. It's going to be really boring. Be, 
yes, which I kind of am okay with that. I'm okay yes, with that. Exactly. Yeah. So that sure. the, having having a lot of sense of optimism for sure. Yeah, I think for me it's more of just this this huge anxiety huge that off. is now off off my chest. All of us. And yep. you know, I like it, it's it's kind of been weird. Like I've been like, what am I going to obsess over now? Like, and, you know, <laughs> I can spend yeah, so much other time doing. Well, fun obviously. Stuff. We'll, we'll, we'll say this now is like the three of us along with our, our friend Jay have, have this vinyl text chain about like all the vinyl records that we yeah. are, are buying. And I got to tell all you, like just energy the, has gone yeah. to vinyl. Totally. Yes. <laughs> totally. And like, I feel like there's this like this competition of like, oh, I need to buy this, this, this. And we like talk about all these records that like yeah. we should have on vinyl. And we well, uh, feel like time yeah, is short, it, right? You feel like time is so precious now you value those things like oh i always wanted smashing pumpkins melancholy and siamese dream and like i'm gonna spend the 80 dollars or whatever it costs i don't care yeah. now obviously i gotta I, balance that but you know i mean for me it's more like i just don't have time like i, I you know i bought four yeah. records uh, you know and got them in the mail it took me th like three nights to listen to them because of all just you know <laughs> sure i don't have the time to sit down and, and listen you have to a small it, window so. yeah but um you know we i'm jewish so christmas wasn't like a, you know was was whatever anyway for us. We did have a, a fun Christmas Eve though, in that we lost power and yeah. um, we're freaking out because the winds were crazy. We had a massive thunderstorm out here in Jersey. New Year's was, it was whatever, you know, it's, yeah. but it was, it was nice for both my wife and I to not be working, even though she's in the house all the time. It was just like, okay, we can just actually do stuff and just hang out and like not totally. worry about, you know, what yeah. was work and everything yeah, like for, that. For me, New Year's, I always feel a little bit of pressure. There's always this like pressure. My, my wife is someone who likes to go out. Like she yeah, like, sure. which is good. And she pushes, you know, it's, it's a good thing over, overall. Cause I'm a homebody and I'll just, I don't mind usually hanging in. But last New Year's Eve, we went to a Colombian restaurant and you know, it was a lot of everything, money <laughs> and everything. Just, you know, energy. And yeah. the people we went with actually stayed a lot longer than we did. Luckily, the I used my daughter as, you know, excuse. She wanted to go right <laughs> after the ball dropped. I was like, yeah, you know, she's got to go. I mean, <laughs> she, but I wanted to go too. I, I was like, I was good. So this year there wasn't that pressure. Yeah. And it was nice. We chilled out. We broke champagne when cool. for the ball and it dropped, which was fun. And yeah, so I, yeah. I've, even for holidays, though, there's, we usually host uh, my in-laws. It's a lot. It's It's great having them. But mm -hmm. you have to clean up. You have to sit, you know, set your house up. Yep. You're trying oh, yeah. to finish up work so you can, oh, we have to run out and get all this food and drinks and who's getting the dessert? Who's getting this? We <laughs> have to worry about all that. We yeah. ordered food. We picked it up and we're good. So nice. I can say as a Jew, that's one thing I'm, you know, not celebrating Christmas. I don't have to deal with. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, and then know, the I'm so glad sometimes I don't have to, to deal with that. <laughs> But parenting wise, I was mentioning to Joe and Steve before yeah. uh, we, we started recording just today, my son had his first uh, poopy accident in his underwear. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was an interesting experience because he's been his whole thing. We, you know, he's potty trained. He hasn't had many accidents since we started back in September, October. I forget. Yeah, it was October because it was Columbus Day weekend. But, uh, you know, he's had a couple pee pee accidents, but this is the first poopy accident. And it was literally, we were running outside and then he stopped and he's like, uh-oh, and started like running in place. And I just smelled it. And like, thankfully I said, don't, I said, don't go anymore. We're going inside. And he held it in and then finished on the toilet. That mm. was, uh, that was an interesting moment being like looking in his underpants and be like, yep, that's poop. And then, <laughs> and I'm sure there's going to be more of them to come. Yep. But, oh, yes. um, you know, we've also been dealing with him 
recently not napping. If he doesn't get help from us, like he, he's been having really trouble getting down. So the, the past two nights, he's gone without a nap and been a real like ornery kid right before bed. We know why kids need naps in the afternoon. And we're like, this is why we wanted to make sure he did nap because we didn't want to deal with this all day uh, or like almost every day in the evening. So yeah. But, uh, you know, other than that, like, you know, school's back up and, and running. We're, you know, we're still doing this weird hybrid two-day out, remote, three-day in. I think we're going to be transitioning to one-day out, four-day in, the end of February, unless things change. But hopefully, you know, we'll all be vaccinated soon, or at least the teachers will be soon, even though that's taking forever in New Jersey, and I'm sure across the country. Hopefully there's a light at the end of the tunnel, unless these new variants really yeah, are I know. play, you know, <laughs> on us as well. So now all our anxiety, instead of being, you know, on, <laughs> you know, what's going to happen for the election and, and whatnot is now uh, yeah. specifically on... Are we going to have a, a semi-normal life or what will, you know, will we, will we be able to get out of here, like go on vacation and stuff sometime soon or just hang out with our friends mm-hmm. and talk about our vinyl records in person. Exactly. So. <laughs> Share our vinyl together. Have vinyl together. parties. Yep. Exactly. So, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, I'm glad, uh, you know, this past, uh, past couple of weeks have been crazy, but you know, this past Wednesday, the inauguration was a giant, mm-hmm. at least for us, you know, if you, if you don't feel the same way, you know. That's your opinion, and you're entitled to it. We're not going to fault you for that. The fact that it just felt like, okay, we're we're back to normal. It felt mm-hmm. so good. It was, yes. you know, I definitely cried a couple of cathartic tears on that day for different reasons. And hopefully now uh, we'll get back on track and we'll be able to do stuff yeah. again. <laughs> Let's hope. As I mentioned at the top of the show, we're going to talk to Ricky Johnson, a pretty normal guy who came to fatherhood in an atypical way, whose perspective on fatherhood is completely different than both Joe and myself. To give a little background, Ricky and I have known each other for almost 20 years. We were both in the drumline and pep band at the University of Maryland, where we became fast friends. Even though he's only a year older than me, Ricky was a bit of a big brother to me, guiding me through aspects of college life during my freshman year. It's been a while since we've seen each other, but Ricky, man, how have you been? Wow. Um, that's an amazing introduction. Um, <laughs> can I add an addendum to that? Absolutely. I was not a big brother to Josh when I first met him because I used to hate Josh because he was better at drums than I was. But I did not want to admit it. He could outplay me a snare drum, and I was like, okay, because I, I couldn't play a traditional grip of snare drum. I'm like, all right, drum set. All right, I got drum set. But then I heard him play. I'm like, son of a gun. <laughs> yeah, and then and then you kind of you got you, you you threw me under the bus a little bit because I got a little cocky that first time we played in Pepe, and I was like, you know what? I'm better than all these guys. And then you told your roommate who was not happy about that, oh. and <laughs> you remember that. And he gave me he gave me so much crap for like the next year and a half. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, so yeah, man. And you know, and yeah, I just, let me apologize for that, dog. I I owe you. I owe you an apology. <laughs> <laughs> That's all good. For yeah. all the stuff that we did afterwards and hung out, man, like uh, you, it was awesome. Like those are some great memories yeah, from was. college and yep. stuff like that. Yep. Just to, to give everyone else a, a little bit of background about yourself, can you can you tell our listeners just, you know, who you are and what you're about and everything? All right. Um, as as my, my homeboy said, um, I'm Ricky Johnson. I can say that I've matured from the snotty kid that Josh met back <laughs> in University of Maryland. 
I am an associate pastor at my church, First Christian Community Church of Annapolis. Uh, before all that, of course, I was a musician. I was a drummer. I used to play drums pretty much every day of the week. If I wasn't playing in a marching band, I was playing in my own personal bands. Uh, and I used to play sometimes on Sunday mornings at church, and then Sunday evenings I'm playing in a pub somewhere. So um, I guess that's my musical background. I am a stepfather. The way my family is, we really don't believe in calling people steps. Uh, my great-grandmother, she actually adopted kids um, and actually live in the house that, you know, where she used to adopt kids. So she used to adopt kids and, um, you know, you never would have known that the children were adopted because she treated like them like she birthed them. And then that passed down to my grandmother because there's two that she had, I would say, adopted, but you never would have known. They always acted like family. So, of course, that kind of trickled down to me. So with my wife, it's funny because originally when I was, you know, trying to think of what I wanted in a wife, I thought I did not want to marry a single mother because like, eh, maybe too much drama. You know, where's the father at? You know, only one rooster in this hen house, you know, who going to call the shots? But either way, I mean, so the, the funny thing is, OK, I'm not going to go too churchy on you, but I mean, God can really direct your path. And I will say that, you know, when I when I really I've, I've known my wife since preschool, actually. Hmm. But um, wow. when we actually, um, you know, reconnected, at least on the lines of, you know, being interested in each other, her motherhood was what really attracted me to her. And hmm. just seeing how awesome of a mother she was for her son, how she was just, you know, raising, you know, such a well-mannered and lovable young dude. With that said, I mean, with becoming a father to him, I mean, one of the questions I asked her, and, you know, this is one of the, the tricks of being in a mixed family, is like, you have to figure out what is your role as a father? So, are you going to allow me to be a father to the child or is it that no, his biological is his father and I'm just your man and I don't have any say. So it's like if each couple is going to have their own different way of, of handling it. But for me, it's like, okay, you know, however you want to handle, however you want to handle, but just let me know what, what is going to be my role. She said, no, I expect you to be a father. I'm like, she said, we're a package. I said, Oh, cool. Game on. So, <laughs> Little boy and I, we have taken together. I probably told him I loved him before I told her the first time. Wow. But yeah, we have just, you know, bonded. I mean, the little rascal now, he he uses my slang. He's used my words. I think, you know, just last month I heard him calling somebody a Bama. Um, <laughs> Josh, Josh would know what that is because I probably <laughs> oh, said yes, Bama quite yes, a bit. Yes. You know, that's, that's a D.C. thing uh, for you gentlemen. I'm not sure where you're from, but that's some D.C. Huh. slang that I've been using ever since high school. But this little dude is using it now. So I'm like, dang, he is my kid. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's that's, cool. that's about me, really. It's, it's just a quest of, um, you know, trying to be the best father I can for him, you know, being the best husband to my wife. And I mean, right now, my wife and I are in the process of trying to expand our family. Mm. And we've been working with a, you know, fertility clinic for, uh, wow, over a year now. Um, Actually, we're releasing um, a a YouTube series. Mm. We're documenting our whole process of going through all the trials and tribulations of trying to expand the family and all that. Um, It's been a big test of faith. It's been a big test of relationship. But it's been a good test, I'll say, because it's brought us closer together. So. Cool, man. You know, I was going to ask when you started dating your wife, like what, you know, your initial thoughts were when she told you, you know, I have a kid. I mean, if you may have already known that, you know, you were friends with her since preschool. But I mean, I guess you didn't really have the that first or did you have that first like inkling of like, what am I getting myself into? Like, is this the right thing for me? Or was it just naturally like, no, this is this is perfect for me. Well, the funny thing is that, you know, yes, I've known her since preschool, but we actually lost contact 
from preschool mm. and we didn't really reconnect until about maybe 2009 i guess on facebook uh. and I'm, I'm just browsing through and i can't remember if i actually searched for her you know you know how sometimes you can be on there and just do a random search or whatever if, if your mm-hmm. wife is jealous don't admit sure but um <laughs> you know so i was just doing like i don't know if i was doing a random search i just saw her tagged and something and i'm like like oh wow Kristen. i'm like huh i'm gonna know what she look like now and i saw her and say like, oh god she looking good, you know. So, <laughs> but the, I mean, so the thing with it though is like our timing never lined up because either she was with somebody or I was with somebody, so we never could really connect. But we actually became friends first. So it was, it's oh. weird though because even though we never were on the same wavelength, we both were watching what the other person was doing. Like a dog on who she went now, or like dog on who he went now, you know. But we never yeah. said anything, mm-hmm. right? So. When she actually got pregnant, she actually was in my Bible study when I found out about it because I, I, I taught a Bible study in my church. And um, when she told me, you know, well, she didn't really want to tell me at first because she was nervous. I'm like, and she was like, why am I nervous? He's not even my man. I'm like, you know, why are you nervous? You know, I'm not even, you know, you do. But at the same time, <laughs> she was nervous to tell me. And I was also mad when I heard it. Like, God dang it. You know, so. Yeah. But I mean, th- that's another story that, you know, I, I'm going to stop myself from, you know, getting in trouble. <laughs> but I'll just say that, you know, as I saw her, saw the child develop, I mean, he's just he's just one of those kids where you just see him and you just all of a sudden just fall in love. You know, it's like, I don't care if he's a little brat. He just looks like a kid you're going to like. And fortunately he's not a brat. I just fell in love with him just, you know, as soon as I saw him. And of course, you know, when we both had our past clear, where we can start talking to each other. It was pretty much game on. It was like, this is where I want to be. So you basically, you know, even though you're not his biological father, you've known your son his entire life. I've known him his entire life. I was there when, well, I remember when she told me she was pregnant. I remember her being in Bible study with her thing of crackers and ginger ale because she was dealing with sickness. I was at the in the pulpit when we actually dedicated her child in church. I won't say I've been there, but I've documented pretty much everything he's gone all along the way, you know, so. Mm. Which I think, you know, that's, I think... That's unique in its own in its own right. Like you know, it's one thing yeah, to get involved unique. with someone yep. who you barely know the kid, mm. whereas you're almost like this figure who's been a part of his life the whole time. So you know, I I guess because I was going to ask also like what you what he thought of you and what you thought of him initially, but obviously you guys have had this this shared connection for for years before, you know, things got serious between you and your wife. Right. Yeah. I mean, even the very first time I actually met him, I mean, his mother and I weren't exactly dating at the time, but even when I met him, it's like, we just took to each other. And so I have, I have pictures of us and him playing with my phone, you know, little, little drooling two-year-old kid playing with my phone. You know, the cool (laughs) thing about little kids. So only time he really calls me dad is when he wants something. That's all. So I'm like, Hey dad. I'm like, like, okay, what you want? What you Mm -hmm. trying to download? But normally he calls me Mr. Ricky, but now now the whole family calls me Mr. Ricky, both my family, you know, my my in-laws, and even even his biological dad will call me Mr. Ricky now because of, of the kid, you know, because that, that's what I'm known as. So Yeah. Yeah, but it's all good. How how uh, old is he now? Uh he is seven. He is seven and a half. Seven years old. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Yep. So um when his mother and I really started, you know, dating, I guess he was he was Three. Now you mentioned that you know his biological father calls you Mr. Ricky. Do you have a, a relationship with his biological father, or you know how does how does that work? Yes, uh, we have a relationship. Well, I'm using relationship in the loose terms. We have each other's cell phone numbers. I will say this: one of the things that he did that I was very appreciative of is that when he got wind or understood that my wife and I were were serious, that we were engaged, we we're going to be married, and all that stuff. 
he actually made it a point to actually have a sit down conversation with me. Hmm. And we actually talked out, okay, so this is how I'm looking to approach fatherhood. And he's like, okay, well, cool. I'm looking for you to treat my son the certain way. I mean, so we've, we've had a level of respect along that line. I will say that yeah. sometimes it's, it's good. Uh, I can say that, well, I hate to say it, but I, I got to be truthful is that, you know, not every mixed family gets along nicely. So mm-hmm. sometimes I've had to be the bridge between him and my wife mm-hmm. because sometimes they can have beef. So normally be like, okay, I'm going to handle this. I'm going to talk between y'all two because sometimes, you know, a simple question can turn to an argument. So like, mm-hmm. all right, all right, y'all, y'all chill, y'all, y'all sit on the sideline. <laughs> I mean, I, and I, I remember one time, you know, him and I, we, we've, we've only had words and by words, you understand what I'm saying? I, I, your viewers can't see me air quoting. We've only <laughs> had words where I had to speak in a, in a non-preacher like language once ever, but actually it was probably one of the best conversations we had because he actually understood like, okay, you know, you just can't roll over me what you're saying. And I needed him to understand like, look, your beef with, with my wife is y'all's beef. I don't really care. You know, what y'all had was what y'all had. My only care is this kid. And I will mm-hmm. protect him from the both of you. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't care. I, I will shut you both down to make sure he is safe. He's not hearing this crap because what y'all are, are forgetting sometimes is that this kid is 50% of the both of you. I'll be mm. the mailman between you. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. You're the you're the the broker, basically. Yeah, the broker. <laughs> there you go. Without getting paid, without without getting the brokerage fee. Yeah. Right. No fee. No fee. <laughs> to get back to you know your relationship with your with your wife, what was you know while you guys were dating mm-hmm. and reconnecting with each other, what was the the moment that you really decided, all right, you know, I'm in it to win it, or was it from the beginning, or was there like an actual moment where you're like you know, the switch got flipped basically. Huh? Uh, okay. Um, let me try to give it to you as succinct as I can. Chris and I, like I said, we, we have been friends, you know, really became friends, I guess around 2011 became friends again. So we actually hung out a few times after one of my relationships in like 2015, but we really didn't take it that far. And I guess what happened was, um, when I actually moved down to the place I'm at now, you know, I, I was, me and her were, you know, chatting as friends so what happened was one day um, I wanted to go to this uh, Redskins game. Now they're watching the football team, but I wanted to go to a Redskins preseason game. And, you know, I just wanted somebody to hang out with, you know, and I'm like, hey, what you up to? You want to go to a football game? Like, okay, cool. So went to the football game. And what happened was going to the game, I guess we didn't read the ticket where you couldn't really take your person to the stadium. Mm. So we could not get into the doggone stadium. And because I was a, a, a dude that didn't want to pay $60 for FedEx parking, we actually took the metro up, so my car was already at the metro station. <laughs> so I, I had to call my sister to come and get her purse. So we're actually sitting outside the stadium, and we were just talking the whole time. And you know, it was just a different vibe, dude. It was just a whole nother vibe. And then you know, we actually got into the game for the you know for the second half, and then coming back, we was at the metro station, and you know, we just uh, I guess we were kind of flirtatious a little bit. But I told her, I said, look, you know, I said, you keep on playing with me, I'm gonna kiss you. I hope that doesn't sound really Trumpish, but yeah. So, so when she said it, <laughs> I, I did not force myself. I, I did ask. So, I mean, I guess when we kiss, it just like all of a sudden was like, "Yo, I think this is like my last kiss ever. This is it. I'm, I'm done." Now, of course, I ain't tell her that, yeah. but you know. So we, we kiss, and then you know we actually get back to the metro station. I'm in my car. We're about to go get some neat, and then she said, "Park the car." I'm like, "Okay." She said, "Just, just hold on." I said, "What?" She said, "Kiss me again. I just want to see." <laughs> So I kissed her again and it was still there. 
I'm like, you feel what I'm feeling? She said, yeah. And I mean, hey, we, we did not actually become a couple that night. It wasn't until months later where I finally professed my love. But mm. uh, yeah, yeah, it was just like, dog, it, I think I just kissed my wife tonight. <laughs> that's, that's awesome, nice. man. Wow, yeah. that's awesome. Yep. Um, so being a black man with a young black son. Why can you tell? Uh, <laughs> um, Confidential, you know, Josh. My mother's part Dutch. Oh, oh that's that's. I'm lying. That was from Blazing Saddles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah thank you. Where I, the white I, women I was, at? Yeah. <laughs> Edit that uh, if you need to. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> hey man, I'm we're, we're, I'm a big Mel. I love that movie. That Blazing Saddles is, is a great movie. Uh, so, you know, being a black man with a young black son, along with being a leader of a church, what was this um, past year like for you? Uh, it was, okay, uh, let me tell you the thing that actually made it decent for me. What made it decent for me was the fact that I saw white people say Black Lives Matter and I saw white people march. Mm-hmm. That's what made it good for me because... Honestly, what we have been complaining about, what we've been protesting about, what we've been, you know, trying to get people to understand about how we are treated so differently. It's like uh, you felt like you're talking to a wall, mm-hmm. you know. So when, of course, nobody wanted to see George Floyd die. Nobody wanted to see that. But at the same time, his death awakened and opened the eyes of so many people to say, do you see, you know, this dude just got choked out over a freaking counterfeit $20 bill. Mm-hmm. The hell. You know, he just got the life drain from him. So, of course, anytime you hear a hashtag, whatever, whatever, I mean, as, as a black man, I don't want to say you get used to it, but I guess what happens is the trauma doesn't hurt you as much because you're already in a state of shock. Mm-hmm. So I'm already in a state of expectation of, you know, or- my life could probably end with cops. Case in point, for my job, um, I work for uh, Department of Treasury. So I, with IT, we actually do installations for you know internet services and phones at certain locations. So I got to travel around the country. But because of COVID, I've been driving to most of my places. So two weeks ago, I had to drive down to Charlotte. So I'm driving and I get stopped and I'm stopped at nighttime. So I'm stopped. I'm on a country road. I mean, where there is no lights. So I'm my hands are on the steering wheel. I will not move my hands till the cops come. I mean, and he comes to the to the car, of course. He's like, you know, license registration. I said, okay, may I get it? Mm-hmm. I, I'm asking you the question. I'm flicking the lights inside so you can see where my hands are. It's like, we got to go through all those freaking precautions just to make sure a regular routine stop won't kill us. Now, mm-hmm. unfortunately, the cop was cool, you know, but it's like, that's the, that's the stuff that you have to keep in your head, you know, yeah. that dog you know routine for me ain't routine for you you know Mm -hmm. what's what i have to worry about you know ain't what you got to worry about like even even when um i've been doing most of my trips solo now but you know when i would travel with you know teammates sometimes especially if i was with a white teammate if i was in a certain areas where i did not feel the most comfortable i always let them go in the door first to like if we went somewhere to eat or whatever Mm -hmm. i'm like you walk in all right uh, you, Mm. you go in first i'm gonna come in behind you and you know, or sometimes what I what I would do so they don't understand what I'm doing. I would just be like, hey, I would just hold the door open, like, hey, Bob, here you go. You know, mm-hmm. and like I'm I'm being a, I'm being a gentleman, but at the same time, yeah. I'm also protecting myself. You have another reason, yeah, yeah. So that's so honestly, this past year, you know, it's it sucked, but it's been good because I felt like it's more than just us that's pissed off right now. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. You know, and I feel For like sure. everybody owes Colin Kaepernick a freaking apology. So yeah. That's, that's one thing. I'm 100%. Like, right, right. I mean, so dude was kneeling, but that's not unpatriotic, but we're going to storm the Capitol because we're pissed that our dude lost. <laughs> yeah. you know, but, yeah, Unbelievable. Yeah. Exactly. But for my son, though, you're asking an interesting question because every black person has to have the talk mm. with their child. Yeah. You know, that is understanding what it is to be black in America. Mm. So the fine line that you got to walk is when is the child going to be really old enough to grasp it? And I remember for me, when I was finally old enough to grasp it, was the first time I was called a nigger. Mm. That's when I actually had to talk with my mother. When the first time, and I remember the boy's face. I remember where we, I was. I remember the bus I was getting on. I remember uh-huh. the jacket he wore. But I remember the first time he called me that. And my mom and I, I mean, my mom, you know, she always kind of kept me aware of stuff, but that's when we really, really had to talk. But I mean, as for my son, you know, I try to balance that between his father. Like, you know, do you want to do it? He really didn't seem like he was up for it. So it's like, yeah, it ain't gonna be that hard. Like, yeah, it might be. But with my kid is like, you know, I don't want to force it on him. And when I try to bring some things to him, you know, he really wasn't really listening. He wasn't really feeling me. So I'm like, look, I'm not going to force you. You be a kid as long as you want to. You know, we'll have to talk when you're ready for it. I don't want it to come at the expense of your peace, but, you know, we'll have it when you're ready. But I've been noticing now he's been saying a lot more things that he really didn't pay attention to because once upon a time, he didn't pay attention to the kids in the class or that he was the only black kid in his class. Hmm. But now he's like, I'm the only black kid. He's now making comments. Now he's starting to come of age. So, you know, I'm, I'm just waiting for that moment where I feel like he's going to be ready for that conversation. And I don't think it's yet, but it's, it's getting closer. It's more than likely going to be by third grade. You know, mm. which is next year yeah. for him. Wow. Because yeah. matter of fact, now I think about it, it was third grade when I was called the N-word for the first time. Mm. Not my first wow. racial incident, mind you, but the first time yeah. I was called the N-word. Yeah. That's, that's you know, and you grew up, you grew up uh, in Crofton, right? That's, you, uh, or were you in? No, I, I grew up in Bowie, but I, I oh, Bowie, actually, right, right, right. I went to school out of county. So I went to school in Anne Arundel County. Oh, okay. So gotcha. I'm used to us having just one table of black people at lunchtime. Yeah. You know? Yeah, man. I mean, yeah. And, uh, you know, this is this is part of the reason, you know, we don't have this perspective. And, you know, this is why it's important for us to, you know, have this this conversation, because we we want to be knowledgeable about this. We want to be an ally. We, you know, we want to know what other people are people are going, you know, what you're going through. And so that we can yeah. teach our kids to be empathetic and to be, you know, anti-racist and, and, and everything like that, because, you know, uh, you know, Joe has two two young kids. Yeah, I was, was going to say, yeah, my, my son is thirteen and my daughter is nine, and we, we had to talk to them. You know, during that time, of course, my and they're half Spanish. Uh, my wife's Hispanic, so yeah. you know, she had a similar type of talk. Like, you guys are Spanish, you know, yeah. Hispanic. There's things you're min- you're a minority, and you and you look it, you know, as well. So yeah. they they we had to have the talk with them, and I'm glad we did. You know, we had the news on a lot. And, um, so yeah, we even had a march in town, um, like a peace march, but we, we went and we wanted to make sure it was, it was important for us to, uh, I think it's important for all, yeah, for, for everybody to talk to their kids about it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Josh, you know, you're my persecuted brother. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's, you know, I was going to say like, uh, when you were talking about how you, you, you were called the N word in third grade, I remember in fourth grade, how a kid made fun of me bringing a yarmulke in when I was, Mm -hmm. did a biography on Sandy Koufax. But, you know, at, at the same time, you know, it's not like, 
people aren't calling me kike. You know, they're not like being Jewish while it has, you know, there is, there is some anti-Semitism, and, you know, there's the whole like Nazi stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and I, you know, I have connection to that with, with family who did not survive the Holocaust, but at the same time, I'm white. I can pass yeah. for, and, and that's, right. and to me, you know, what I've places, gone through yeah. is, is nothing compared to, you know, what you've had to, to grow up and, and deal with. And, you know, just like, Thinking about having a, a conversation with students, my, my students at school, sometimes I've had to have conversations about when, uh, you know, when Trump first got elected and kids were still using the Pepe frog and I had to say, yeah, you can't use this anymore. Right. You know, that's that's one thing. But to like, I, I can't imagine, you know, the conversation, how hard the, the conversation will be, you know, but knowing you, I know you're going to do a great job with it just because. <laughs> Of who, no, but because who you are and some of the conversations we had in college, just of like, you know, how you educated me on, on stuff just through our interactions, like that, that tells me you're going to do a great job. But still, I can't, you know, it's still going to be a heavy conversation. Yeah. And I, I don't I am not envious no. of the fact that you have to, to, to give that at all. Yeah. <laughs> because of what happened with this insurrection, Ricky, are you... um are you basically concerned that the focus might have shifted? And, and obviously they're intertwined. They're very intertwined. What happened in the insurrection versus what, what's going on with Black Lives Matter. But are you having a, a time of trying to still like reach out to people in community, like while you're a pastor or while you're just talking to friends and family? Like, is there a challenge of that focus now changing from the horror to what happened to, hey, by the way, we're still like fighting for, you know, basically the, the lives of, of black people you know, human beings in this country still, you know what I mean? Is there, is there like a challenge now for you? Uh, well, a challenge, I'll say that it's made us stay on more guard. Um, mm. I will say this, uh, actually when the insurrection happened, that's when I was on my way to Charlotte. So I'm on my phone, with my wife, you know, wow. she's giving me the play by play and I get to my hotel and I'm watching, I'm like, wow. But then my wife put it on, on, on Facebook that, you know, had it been us people of color, it wouldn't have went down like that, which is true. Absolutely. Yep. You know, Absolutely. Like, exactly. If it had been, we would not have made it up the steps. Bro. No, no. Nope. You know, so nope. I mean, so I mean, for us as black, there'd be tanks already there. It. Right, 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 right. So we wouldn't have made it that far. So, I mean, f- for us, say for the majority of us, it was the whole double standard, of course, of like, mm-hmm. do you see, do, do y'all see what we're seeing? Right. You know, do you see, you know, here's this whole group of angry mob that's protesting you know, be mad, be whatever, but they're protesting and they have made it this far and nobody got wiped up or killed. And oh, I saw yeah. this one meme that said the thing, the most important, importantly, it says, we're not asking you to shoot them like you would shoot us. We're asking you not to shoot us. Now you're not exactly. shooting them. Yep. You know, so, I mean, Perfect. so as black folks, yep. that's what we are. But I'll say this though. Um, even, even last week, past Friday, uh, my mother, she's actually the senior pastor of my church. And she received an email from a fellow pastor, a fellow African-American pastor, who received a message from the chief of police of Annapolis saying, hey, we've been just getting intel that there could be riots around. Please keep your people on alert. Keep your mm. churches on alert. They may look for soft targets. Now, my church isn't in, in Annapolis, you know, downtown. So, you know, I wasn't as concerned. But at the same time, we had to still take our precautions. So right. this past Sunday, man, we had security at the church. You know, we, you know, everybody was on the door. And then as soon as mm. the service ended, we had to leave. You know, sometimes we mill around. And I know because of COVID, we keep our distance. But we, we sometimes might mill around or do a little extra work, whatever. But no, as soon as, as soon as they said amen, everything was shut off. Everybody get out. 
So, you know, yeah, we've had to deal with this stuff. And I will say that even the sermons that my mother's been preaching has been talking about these situations. It's like, you know, we have to, we, you have to speak to the situation. But here's the thing is that honestly, it's not black people talking to black people that's going to change this. It's really going to be people like you gentlemen who mm-hmm. are ha- have the willingness to speak diversity or have a diverse background to speak to your cohorts because yep. I can't convince you to see me as equal, but you can convince somebody else possibly mm-hmm. you know, more than I can. You have the doorway that I don't have. So yeah. and and that was the thing she was saying in her message, especially for especially for white ministers, is like, yo, you need to talk to your congregations. I, you know, me preaching my con, what what am I going to tell them that they don't already know at this point? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. sure. but it's it's you guys that have to talk to your folks. I mean, I, I had another friend actually. Now I think about it, when when most of the protests were starting to happen during the summer, I'm sorry if I'm backing up a little bit, but when most of the protests were happening, you know, this there's a, a, a white girl that I used to work with. And I mean, she she's awesome. She's a great friend of mine, great friend of my wife. Um, and she said, uh, she asked me, so, you know, what can I do? I said, what you can do is talk to your friends, talk to your people, talk to your aunts, talk to your uncles, talk to the people in your family that you know probably are racist, that you can't stand. That's yep. who you, it's not me. It's you got to talk to them. Mm-hmm. You guys have to do this, you know? Yep. And I mean, I know that can be a hard pill to swallow because nobody likes to be told that they're wrong, but it's like, no, I, I can talk to, I can speak peace to my congregation, but I can, you know, tell them to, you know, keep on pressing ahead. I can tell them to keep on keeping their faith in God. I can tell them that God will deliver. But I mean, for the ultimate change, it's not on us. We pray for y'all, of course, but <laughs> ultimate change is not on us. And I mean, I hate to sound like I'm abdicating responsibility, but it's, I can't change that structure. Yep, but you right. can. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, I, I, I totally agree. And, and, you know, I just, it was interesting when you brought up your, your other friend, I know I texted you like when stuff was going down just mm-hmm. to, you know, express my, I don't even know what I said, but I know that I I felt guilty and I felt, you know, I wanted to, to, to con- just tell you that I wanted to be better, even though, you know, I'm, you know, me, I'm not like, you know, a hateful person, but I also know that in the, in the back of my mind, I have these, uh, you know, just from the media and just from, you know, people that uh, just in general, like from society, I have these just these thoughts in my head. You know, when I'm driving through Newark, New Jersey, like it's just these subconscious thoughts of like, am I safe? Like I I know usually where I'm going and and I, you know, been to Newark so many times that I and I'm, I'm safe, but it's still just that unconscious thoughts that have been, you know, drilled into our head just because of what we've seen. And I'm trying to weed that out and at least be able to combat that because it, these are thoughts that I don't want to have. Right. I, I don't want to, I don't want to be thinking those things. Yeah. And, you know, I, I totally agree that it's, 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 conver- it's hard conversations that we have to have with, you know, between us. And it's, I, I, in my, in my mind, I feel like sometimes people have to experience it to really get a sense of like, you know, what, how things are, are not the way they think it is. Right. Um, and, you know, for people who have only hung out with other white people or even just like when I remember when I was a camp counselor, uh, my, my co-counselor was Scottish and he had never met a Jewish person in his life. And hmm. like, it, 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 like, he was like, I didn't think you were anything like, you know, 
what Jews were supposed to be, essentially. <laughs> you Whatever know, Jews are supposed to be. Right. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. You know, um, and so it's... It was interesting. I remember thinking back when Trump got elected, how I had this idea of, you know, having people, you know, from the inner cities and and like, you know, the Midwest kind of just like swap and do like an exchange program. But then I found out that they actually do that in, in some colleges and stuff like that, where they have these exchange programs because people need to experience it. If they don't see it firsthand, yep. they don't think it's real. Exactly. And that's the problem, at least in my mind. I mean, you know, it, I think it's not it wouldn't be the, the overall solution, but I think it would help. Uh-huh. I'm just trying to think. Yeah, I do remember yeah. that. You did You did reach out to me. You know, and yeah. that's the funny thing about you, Josh, is like, <laughs> so I need to be a better friend because I, I, <laughs> I don't really hit you up as much as I should. And I got Dude, stuff I need life, to hit you up man. about. That's life. Don't but, worry about but it. But no, but yeah, you you will hit me up out the clear blue with that one. So I, I remember that. You, know, you hit me back I'm like, dang, Josh, that was really, that was really decent, you know. <laughs> I appreciate yeah. that. You know, I'm just, I'm just, you know, I, I, I just, I'm trying to better myself and just be, a, you know, as my son's two years old. So he's, he's ambivalent to everything that's going on right now. You know, he has no idea what's going on, but I want it when I, when he gets to that point, right. you know, I want to be able to have good conversations and set a good example for him. Just like my father did. Like my father told me stories about when he got to university of Maryland, his roommate was black and the, the, the two, the, the people in the dorm room next to him were these racist dudes. So they would crank my father and his roommate. They weren't best friends, mm-hmm. but they were friendly and they would crank don't call me nigger whitey. Don't call me whitey nigger by um, <laughs> Sliding the Family, the family Stone. stone. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, exactly. They would okay. crank it and just piss off these other dudes. Um, <laughs> yeah, but that's awesome. It, so <laughs> you know, it's like th- that's the kind of thing. It's just you know, we want to we want to be decent people. We want to. I want to be able to teach my son how to how to treat other people. You know, the same way that he wants to be treated. And yeah, so yeah, I'm sure you are. On our show, we've been talking a lot about. I would say like when we list our favorite musical things, I'd say one out of every four or every three is a neo soul album that has a lesson that's like reflected in our current state, especially with race relations, but also just activism in general, the, the need for human rights. Um, but then we also have things like um, just albums this year that just hit like a nerve because of what was going on. So like you see yourself listening to more music these days like that, even if it's the, not new stuff, but it's old stuff. Are you like revisiting certain albums right now that are just like resonating harder? Uh, okay. Um, no, what I've actually <laughs> been listening to more so has been podcasts. Oh, interesting. And, and what I've been actually, I've been, I've been listening to more, uh, uh, football and more. Don't, don't judge me. Uh, wrestling podcasts because sometimes <laughs> Sometimes I just want to hear something that's not news related. Sometimes I want to hear something sure. that's not going to tax my brain. Totally. That's going to just take me oh, out of sure. what I'm facing right now. Just getting back to the to fatherhood and, and stuff, sure. you know, both of us share a connection in that we lost our fathers at a very early age. Yeah. I distinctly remember you were like the second person or third person I called when my father passed away. Mm-hmm. And I just, we, I don't even think we had hung out that year. It was my sophomore year. I think I'd seen you once or twice. And, but like, I knew that you had gone through the same thing and I just called you because yeah. you were like the, the person that I needed to, to reach out to uh, in that time. Cause I was, you know, obviously in a, in a, in a daze. So, you know, Losing your father at such a young age, how did that affect you, you know, growing up as a young man? And how is that affecting you or what impact is that having on you as a father now? Hmm. Yeah, Josh, I remember when you called me because uh, 
and we probably weren't hanging out as much because your sophomore year, I think I I wasn't playing. You lived off campus. You yeah, yeah, you were in a band and you lived off campus. Yeah. yeah. So um, how did it affect me? Uh, one. Whenever you lose your father, especially if it's a close father, you know, a, a real dad in your life, you know, mm-hmm. you feel like your covering is gone. Like, you know, all your protection has gone away. So that was the first thing, just, you know, trying to trying to reassemble yourself, trying to figure out, okay, where am I? How am I balancing myself? The added pressure about my father was that he was the pastor of the church that, you know, I'm at. And when he died, we had just finished building the church. We had finally moved into the church. So wow. we, we moved into the church. Our very first service was New Year's Eve 2000. My father died in March of 2001. Oh. He, he was in the hospital from February of 2001 until March of 2001 uh, when he died. So it was like so much added pressure because, one, we didn't see it coming. Two, people were like, you know, I'm, I'm only an 18-year-old kid. And people wonder, are you going to be the pastor of this 800-member church? I'm mm. like, yo, I'm not even in ministry. You know, <laughs> no, I'm, yeah. I'm just in college right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm not ready for this. And then I'm also thinking, okay, my mom works at the church. You know, what am I going to do to take care of them? But the last conversation, the last clear conversation I had with my father, he told me, he says, look, whatever happens, don't drop out of school. I mean, because he knew that he knew that I would do whatever I had to take care of my family. And even his last week on earth, um, my uncle and I were hanging out. We were hanging out on a Sunday. My father died on a Friday. So we're together on that Sunday. And he was kind of alluding to the same thing. He said, if something happens to your father, you know, what do you plan to do? I said, well, he told me don't drop out of school, but I'm going to do it anyway. I got to take care of my mother and sister. He said, you can do better for them by staying in school than you can Mm -hmm. dropping out. So, so I did not drop out of school. I stayed in school after he died. Hey, Josh, if I had left school, I wouldn't have met you. <laughs> I know, man. Because <laughs> that was the year before you got there. But yeah. the, the thing that actually kind of helped me through it was my mother trying to take some of the burden off of me because she says, look, I'm I'm the mother of the house. You know, I don't need you to be the man. Uh, my job is to take care of you as mother. You're still a kid. And I think what, you know, what really helped me understand is that, you know, yes, 18, you're legally an adult, but you're really still a kid. You, you, I really don't feel like I hit true manhood until I was 30. But it's like, you know, <laughs> right. but maybe that's just me, man. I'm a late bloomer. But <laughs> me I mean, too, man. her saying that really took so much off of me. But I guess with him that I, what I also learned is that, you know, mourning is is really cyclical. You really don't hit a stopping point. Now, you may not cry as much as you used to, mm. but you'll have some years where you're good when the anniversary dates come up, the birthdays come up and you're fine. Don't even think about it. And then you have some years where it's going to hit you again. It's like, so this year I'm like, wow, it'll be 20 years since he's been gone. Mm, crazy. So yeah. I'm already thinking about it. I mean, his, his birthday is next month. I mean, I am not going to be, you know, a wreck, crying, mess, anything like that. But it's like, dog, it's been, it's been 20 years. And, you know, even with my sister, you know, I really feel the, the, the hardest for her because like she's lived more years without him than she has with him. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. other thing too with her is that, you know, she was, she was 12 when he died. So, her and I were really never that close because we had a six year difference. And plus I wanted mom and dad to have a boy instead of a girl when she was born. And, but anyway, that's another story. So that said, it's like when he passed, you know, now I'm trying to be a father figure to her and she's rejecting me because like, dog, you haven't been here my whole life really. So how are you going to try to, you know, boss up on me now? So it took us a minute to get to a position where we could really be cool, where, 
she can handle me giving some big brother advice and, you know, stuff like that. I mean, now we so close. Erica was, was actually my best woman in my wedding. Hmm. So that, that shows you how things can change. But I mean, honestly, the loss of a father is, I won't say that you ever really get over it, but you just learn how to adjust to it. You, you just learn how Absolutely. to adjust to it. Absolutely. And um, yeah. even with my, with my kid though, is like, certain certain things I would notice my father was happening with him. Like when my dad, because he was a pastor of a church and he also had another job, sometimes I only see him in the morning. I probably wouldn't see him until the next morning because, you know, he was busy all day. He had work and then he had to go to church to work on whatever. And then I probably wouldn't see him when he's coming home, I'm already in bed. So that was kind of happening with me and my son at first is that, you know, I'm working in DC. So I might would get him on the bus, but then, you know, I'll go to work, I get off work, I go to church, got meetings at the church. And by the time I get back home, he sleeps. So, I mean, I remember one time he told me, he said, you're acting just like your dad. And yo, I'm like, hold on, youngin, what you doing? Approach me like that. But then I'm like, dang, he's right. You know? So <laughs> I'm like, he's right. I'm, I am. But I mean, it was nothing I could really do, but I will say that him and I have really, you know, gotten closer since the pandemic. I hate, you know, the pandemic did give us that benefit at right. least because he's been homeschooling, you know, I've been working from home. So we've been spending, you know, all of our time together and we even go out for lunch dates, you know, once a week. But, you know, with the loss of my father, the thing that, you know, at least keeps me in my mind with him is that when I die, I don't want him to mourn that I was really never there hmm. or like we didn't really spend as much time as we should have. So that's why I'm like, okay, let me get as much time as I can with him. Let me do things with him. That's going to be our special times that he's always going to remember. And plus that's also going to build our bond. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I will, I will say that, you know, 2020, we actually became closer than we ever have been before, but also keeping in my mind, I don't want to be Richard Johnson, the third to my young man. I want to Mm -hmm. be the best Richard Johnson, the fourth. That's my whole proper name to my child. And, you know, I hope I'm doing a decent job. I'm trying to. <laughs> seems like it based on things that I see on Facebook. You know, it seems like you're, oh the fact that I remember you posting about his math, you know, his math work. And I was like, you know, damn, like, I, I mean, I didn't know how, you know, involved you were in his life. And, you know, yeah. and, and obviously, but like that, that, that in itself shows how much you're invested in him. And, you know, it just shows how great of a father you are. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, and one last question, you know, because we, we don't want to keep you too long. Um, I was waiting yeah, for the music. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to the music. Don't worry. We'll get to the music. <laughs> you know, we, we talked a little bit about what the last year has been like, but did you get to sit with your son uh, and watch the inauguration on Wednesday? He wasn't interested at all. No. <laughs> my wife and I, we we got the TV going. My wife had her pearls and chucks on. I'm wearing my <laughs> Howard University shirt, you know, because that's where Kamala went. Mm-hmm, I, I, I made my boys sit down when they swore in Biden and swore in Kamala. And when the, the young girl did the poem, I made him sit down cool. and watch that. That was great. Other than that, he, he, wasn't, he, he didn't care. <laughs> he wasn't feeling it. So, so I have a new iPhone yeah. now. So I gave him my old one. Yeah. So he's been on that all day long on the oh, yeah, yeah. old iPhone. I'm like, no, oh, this is history, man. You need to watch this. Yep. Uh, he that's what I was telling my kids too. And no, they're like, nah, that's <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah, I'm going upstairs. <laughs> well, in, 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 in that same vein, do you think it's because, you know, we had, we had Barack Obama as president of, you know, when he was born and, or, you know, the fact that like, you know, even though we see this as a, a major moment, because even though it's really, you know, not 
a hundred percent like, you know, uh, the way society is everywhere in our country. But do you feel like it's become so normalized that they're just like, eh, it's whatever. It's just, you know, the next president, vice president getting sworn in. If he was a little bit older, maybe, but I think he just don't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but, exactly. you're, you're, but you're absolutely right because when he was born, Obama was president. He's seen more black people in the office when you think about it right. than, you know, I would have. You know, he's he was born under Obama. Kamala is now the vice president. You know, he's only had four years at Trump. Now this is normal to him. <laughs> I was just thinking when, when I was seven, I had no, I, I didn't want to watch it in, you know, presidential inauguration in 1980, whatever, six. Like, yeah. I don't think I watched until probably, yeah, I was teenager. Dog, we didn't have a choice. We only had TV, one TV in the house when I was a kid. So <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have I, smartphones. So I was playing uh, watch Super Mario Brothers. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so no. No, I didn't. I didn't have a choice. (laughs) (laughs) So, at the end of every episode, we talk about the you know some some music that we've been listening to. You you alluded to it earlier. uh, Some of the stuff you've been listening to. But what music have you been listening to lately? um, You know that you want to talk about. Music that I've been listening to lately, I want to talk about. All right, I got to pull out the old iPhone here and see what I'm <laughs> on my playlist, what I've been listening to. Because really, I've been just doing a whole lot of playlists, honestly. Just, you know, so my, my wife and I are really can be polar opposites because she's a straight R&B neo-soul hit. Mm-hmm. So the only people mm-hmm. we really agree to is like, you know, Erica Badu, Jill Scott. We went cool. to an awesome Jill Scott concert last Valentine's Day. If you nice. guys get a chance to go see Jill Scott live, do that. Always want. Whenever, right. whenever the outside opens list. up, go, go, please yeah. run. Her vocals and the band, her vocals by herself is one thing, but the band too. Oh my god, you know, Raphael Sadiq. Oh yeah, man. Amazing. Yes, which which album? Which album? Uh, listen, the album that I will play start to finish. He he has he has two that I will I I will play the breaks off of. The way I see it. Yes. And his live in Paris concert. Oh, I haven't seen that one, but. The, it's, it's on Spotify. I haven't found it on an Apple I'll, I'll, I'll it's on Spotify. It. Check it out. Okay. The Live in Paris one? Oh, God. Dog, that's a whole movie. I can listen to that one every day. I want a day to match with tonight. Toast and match with my spend my money to match with I want to get free kids to match with I want a day to match with I want toast to match with I spend my money But the, but the way I see it, Raphael Sadiq, man, he is so. I, I don't I don't want to say he's underrated because you know everybody who's like a neo soul head, they all appreciate him. But mm-hmm. really, I feel like he's underrated by the mainstream, man. You know, Raphael is that dude. Yeah. You know, so he, he's on dash, my bucket man. list. Hundred huh? Yard Dash is like such a great song, and that that album I, when I heard, I think it, it was that, or, or maybe I, I guess it was that song, and I immediately went out and bought that album, and I was like. 
oh my god like you know that song keep marching like that that it's keep just marching. like it's yep. it, it sounds like it, it's a motown album like it really sounds mm. like a, it's a motown album but see that's why i bought it right so i actually bought it just looking off the cover because when i saw the cover and it looks like a whole motown cover the way he's ran out you know the old suit the little tie and all that stuff yeah. i said dog I'm, I'm getting this i don't i don't i don't <laughs> care what it sounds like i'm getting it bought on cd yeah i got it on cd cool <laughs> but, but i got it i'm like oh i made the right decision off this one but yeah i just well truth be told i actually bootlegged it but don't don't once i heard it i bought it <laughs> yeah. that's right that's right i said i said i gotta go buy it you know he he deserves my 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 1099 i gotta mm-hmm. get, i gotta yeah. give him all the coins no, but yeah, yeah no, Ra- Raphael sadiq is probably is, is my go-to that's my go-to chill that's great yeah Anything else, or that's pretty much it right now. Yeah. Raphael Sadiq and and honestly, Tool has probably been my other guys. Nice. What did your uh, son listen to? Oh God, he listened a little bit of everything. But the funny thing is, with, with that with that little rascal, sometimes he'll start singing songs I'm like, "Well, how did you even hear this?" Because I really never hear him right. just blasting music. But I guess because whatever he's watching on YouTube, that's where he's picking. Same it up. with my kids. Yep. Yeah, but um, I don't hear them. Yeah, listening to music, but they know they the they music. know it right. They know it. So the the one song him and I always agreed to, and he always wanted to listen to it in the car was "Through the Fire and the Flames" through Dragon Force. from that breakdown part when like yes he always used to go off on that one so nice. we used to listen to that song pretty much every day that i used to take him to summer camp that was our on the way and pretty bum, much bum. it got us all the way to summer camp too i mean from the house to the camp but that that was that was the one song we always agreed to that and um actually he he we used to like uh lupe fiasco mm. he used to like the um the album the cool that was lupe's probably best album but my kid used to love that one too. So those those were the only two that we really, you know, we both can pop in. We won't fight each other about that one. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, so, so Ricky, thanks again for coming on. We really appreciate you coming on and giving us a totally different perspective on fatherhood than, than any of us have. And, you know, it was great seeing you, great talking to you, uh, and reconnecting. Now you mentioned at the, at the beginning of the interview, uh, or the conversation that you and your wife are going to be having a YouTube series on your, uh, your attempt to have a, a, a biological child together. Right. Is there some place right. that people can go check this out or, you know, uh, any social media that they can check you out or hit you up on if they have, you know, want to talk to you? Uh, our YouTube page is just uh, Rick and Chris Johnson or Loving R&B, R-N-B, so Romeo, Nancy, Bravo. So nice. that, that was our that was our wedding hashtag, Loving R&B. So um, that's where you can check us out on uh, YouTube. Um, like I said, I think we're going to premiere tonight. Um, we're starting to get a little nervous about it. Like, do we really want to do this? Because <laughs> um, what, our, what our original thought was that once we finally got a positive, that's when we would actually really put out, start putting out the videos Smart. of everything that's happened. That was our original thought. But then my wife started really thinking about it. She says, no, I want people to understand the journey, period. You know, mm-hmm. So we're gonna, we'll put it out now. So if we get a positive, great. If we don't, at least you know. At least you, at least you walk with us. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. Um, Congratulations. Well, good luck. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And um, is there anywhere? Because I know that you, your church is on does online uh, sermons and stuff like that. So is there is there any way that they can uh, check out? You know, if anyone's interested to to go check out your church online. Sure. Yeah, you can download us um, at the FC three or the First Christian Community Church of Annapolis. We are available on in the App Store and in Google Play. You can download our app. You can see our live stream. You can hear all of our past sermons. You can find us on Facebook at First Christian Community Church of Annapolis or on YouTube. We have all of our material there on YouTube as well, live streaming our sermons. And, um, you know, all of, our, all of our past sermons are already documented on there. So, yeah, you can find us there. Cool, I would say go for the app, though. That's probably your best bet. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Again, thanks again, man. And honestly, it was it was great talking to you. It's it's you you. I, I mean, I, I love hanging out with you, and I miss <laughs> you so much, man. Bro, yeah, we, we I gotta meet you. What's what's halfway between Jersey and and Maryland? So no, I'll come I'll come down for a Terps game when once they're you know once, once uh, football or basketball. You let me you know, know when you come down. We are gonna make public. it happen. Sounds good. You man. bring your kid, I bring mine. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. All right, man. All right, thank you so much, gentlemen. As we do at the end of every episode, now is the time for us to discuss what we've been listening to. So, Joe, why don't you start us off? What have you been listening to lately uh, that we should know about? Sure. So the first band I wanted to talk about is called Priley, P-R-I-L-E-Y. They are a new um, punk rock, I'll call them a punk rock duo mm. from Caldwell and... Um, me and Josh know them well. Uh, Josh's cousin and my bandmate. How do I describe it? It's it's Josh's cousin's cousin and his fourteen-year-old uh, son are the mm. duo. Uh, the yeah. son plays drums and sings. And I, I and, taught the I taught him how to play drums. I was his. And first that's drum right. You, you taught him how to years. play drums. Yeah. So it comes full circle. Wow. And um, you know, I've I've seen cool. I've known the son. You know, I've seen him here and there. Um, as he's grown up and 
He started playing drums. What maybe three years ago? Four no, years it's, ago? it was it was four? like five five six years oh, five ago. Five years ago. Yeah, it was because it's been two or three years since I haven't. Yeah, because I yeah. stopped I stopped teaching him right when my son was born. So I think it's been like six years, and I taught him for like three years. And yeah, he's definitely developed into a, a great drummer. But for me, like it's more of his appreciation of music and, and his knowledge of music has just totally, totally. expanded since I started. When I yeah. last saw him was at. Uh, Josh's cousin's house for Christmas 2019 and his his son's name is Trey and we saw Trey and he was wearing this badass denim jacket with Mm -hmm. um, like social distortion and Ramones pins and Guns N' Roses pins and patches all over and now he's got this mohawk haircut and he's very artsy he's like into film and and He's documentaries. A, oh, he's, he's an incredible and, artist. Yeah, he's gonna. He's amazing. His father Satoru is amazing guitar player and as his well. Father, like, yep, his father. Yep, his father Satoru is an amazing guitar player. Uh, re- repairs guitars. Has an amazing guitar collection. Wow. Um, but they dropped this album and it's really good. It's got this punk rock '90s vibe. Kind of reminds some songs remind me of like the first Foo Fighters album. Very nice. like fuzzy. You know, kind of a mix of punk and like alternative. But the song I want to spotlight is the lead track called uh, Eight Days Ago. second band I wanted to talk about tonight. I just stumbled upon them randomly a few weeks ago on Bandcamp, just as I search around looking for uh, new music to play on my radio show. And I found this band, uh, Les Robots, I guess Mm. is how you'd say it, Uh, L-E-S Robots. And uh, they're a, I believe they're from Spain. I'm not really even sure most, much of the the background of them, Uh, but they're like basically a surf rock kind of instrumental band. They produce this other artist under the name Floor. That's why I first found it also on Bandcamp. Floor is like um, kind of a a French, like 60s vibe going on. And then I kind of, that's how I stumbled upon this other band. Um, But the song I want to spotlight is really cool. It's got this like, James Bond surf vibe is called Scratch of the Astro Cat. My third pick tonight, speaking of vinyl, oh, yeah. uh, a lot of us have, have picked up a lot of vinyl lately. So uh, this past weekend, I went to so a little getaway with the family to uh, Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania. And there was, this, uh, there was a pretty cool record store. And, and I said, oh, we're going to this record store. Mm. And the kids were excited, too. They were flipping through and... My daughter actually picked out uh, the Beastie Boys' Greatest Hits, which they just released, I believe, last year. Very overpriced, but I, I said, fine, we'll go for it. But I picked up uh, I saw the Audio Slave uh, debut album, which I 
wants to get on vinyl. And yep. I picked up um, so awesome. an album near and dear to my heart, uh, the Sublime self-titled album. to it yesterday and oh. uh, I just had it on my mind. It's just one of, it just brings me right back to my senior year of high school into college. Yep. And I had like a major sublime kick for like five years maybe. But I always thought that was a, a phenomenal sounding such, album. Such a great, it's yeah, just recorded like a great, album. Especially for drums. I always thought I was, the drums like really kick mm-hmm. on that album. And it's just a great album to like crank in a car. Like I yep. just always picture great driving album. being in high school, these Kids had Jeeps, like blasting Garden <laughs> Grove and and what I got and all those songs. Yeah, sublime, sublime. So I bought uh, a while ago uh, through Black Friday, got uh, Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings, this uh, cover album. And so, you know, I was playing it one night and my son was just listening and he like, really got attached to their cover of Little by Little. And then he got really nice. into the cover of Sign Seal Delivered by Stevie Wonder. And then now right. he's on this like weird like Stevie Wonder kick where like he wants to hear Sign Seal Delivered. He wants to hear nice. the my my mother-in-law while she was chatting with him, put on the James Corden with Stevie Wonder like YouTube video. So he wants to listen to that. So, you know, we've been listening to some Stevie uh, and I, I'm going to probably buy a vinyl for him to because he likes watching the vinyl too, but I really haven't been listening to that. I just want to say that I'm somehow got my son into listening to some good soul and uh, R&B music, which is fantastic. Yes. Um, but personally, um, I recently, you know, went on this. I bought a whole bunch of vinyl thanks to my fantasy football winnings. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I was so um, close this year. Yeah, you did great, man. Um, and so I, I went out and I actually bought uh, through Discogs. I found this great record store or I found it on Discogs, but this record store in Lawrence, Kansas that I used to go to all the time when I was out at University of Kansas for grad school called Love Garden Sounds. And that's where I bought a lot of like vinyl, like really, really went to it and bought vinyl. And uh, for the first time, you know, about... 10, nine, 10 years ago. So I bought four albums off there. Two of them I've been listening to a bunch. One is um, the latest Thundercat album, which I hadn't really awesome. given a listen to. And if I had given a listen to it earlier in the year, I probably would have put it on my top five uh, for the year. Yeah. You know, it's gotten a lot of, you know, accolades and stuff, but it really is like, it, it's it's not like a first time listen through that you, mm-hmm. you, you'll you get into it. But as you keep listening and listening, it's one of those like, oh my God, this, you know, this dude is... He is an amazing artist, and it's not the easiest thing to listen to. And, you know, me being a music first type person, I'm not listening to the lyrics as much, but the music is fantastic. Yeah. And, um, you know, he's all these short songs that almost sound like interludes and and stuff, and he's got a lot of great guests. A lot of collabs. Um, But the song, you know, I think it was one of the singles that he released, uh, and the album's called It Is What It Is, is the song Dragon Ball Do-Rag, which is, it's great.
And if you do listen to other podcasts and you do listen to Mark Maron's WTF podcast, check out the episode with Thundercat on there because it is is extra hilarious because Thundercat talks about all these anime things like Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z and like <laughs> Marin is just like he has no clue. Doesn't so know anything just, about it. it, it yeah. It's it's kind of interesting. <laughs> and then another album I bought uh, because you know at the you know at the urging of Joe and and Steve, I decided to and actually it was kind of inspired because Joe's daughter was listening to this album. Totally. Um, is Ty Siegel's Freedom's Goblin and you yeah. know I've listened to we've talked about Ty Siegel on on the uh, on the show. We, it was one of Steve's blind spots yep. and I've listened to a little bit of it but I never really did a deep dive and you know I, I, I'm a big fan of Michael Cronin who is one of uh, Ty's uh, collaborators he's on this album uh, I think he plays bass and sax on it or something yep. and it really is a fantastic album it's a double it album and it's just like yeah. you know it's, it's all over the place <laughs> yeah you know it's, you like it's, it. it's it's not straight garage rock it's got a, it's got totally. a little bit of everything it's very and it's, it's, a, it's a, a very enjoyable album and you know I, I really love you know the opening track Fanny Dog I think it's it's just such a good a, song. A, a great great track Stella can bond over Fanny Dog. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's a great right tune, away. man. It's a great song. Yeah. It's a great, like, 70s vibe to it. Yeah, it's that, that whole album is, is great. I gotta, I gotta listen to it again, and it sounds great on vinyl. And the last uh, song I'm gonna talk about, um, and we kind of, in our vinyl conversation, kind of touched on them too, and I just watched uh, a documentary on them, uh, is The Band. The, mm -hmm. the band called The Band. They are... I guess it's either Robbie Rob I guess it's Robbie Robertson now, pretty much. Well, whoever is releasing a 50th anniversary of their third album called Stage Fright. I am a big fan of the band. I was obsessed with them for like several years in the mid 2000s. Uh, bought like every album on CD, and you know, actually, my father had the Brown album, uh, the self-titled, and I listened to it when I was younger. But really, like, I totally forgotten about you know any 50th anniversary vinyl records, and I missed out on uh, music from Big Pink and, and the self-titled. And I, I might go back and get those, but they're releasing a 50th anniversary of Stage Fright. And on Spotify, they just put out uh, a couple weeks ago the remastered version of The Shape I'm In, which is, is you know, it's a, such a great song and it sounds great. But there's a really cool uh, remastered version of the song Sleeping where it's just, I think it's just Richard Manuel singing and playing piano and maybe guitar. There's no bass or drums. And it's, I mean, I would suggest first listening to the song itself in complete, but then just listening to to that track, it sounds so beautiful. Richard Manuel's voice is amazing. Searching. And, you know, at this point in his career, he was just getting into heroin. And it's it's like, it's amazing the dude could still sing like this. Mm. So, yeah, it's 
definitely something to check out. And, and for those of you who are who like the band, these remasters sound amazing. amazing. So yeah. definitely check out. And I and the documentary I mentioned before was uh, the the Robbie Robertson and the band documentary called Once We're Brothers. And uh, it's definitely an interesting movie to check out if you if you like it. It Netflix? does not tell the whole story. Uh, no, I had to get it from the library. It's mm. uh, you, it's it's not on Netflix or any streaming services yet, or unless you want to rent it. Mm. But if you watch that movie and then read Robbie Robertson's memoir and Levon Helm's memoir, you'll get the whole picture mm. of the band. So I actually have to probably go back and read Robbie Robertson's memoir because Levon Helm's is not so nice to he's not so nice to Robbie Robertson. No, and, you know, Robbie true. Robertson tries to like be like, you know, oh, everything was great. You know, we kind of just went our own past when there's probably <laughs> something deeper uh, there to begin with. So and Steve, what, do you, what have you been listening to? So uh, recently, and and this is such a weird. Like sometimes our music just comes and bubbles up in your in your peripheral. A I think it was from a Discogs post. Um, ben Blackwell had like posted like the weirdest releases of the year, and mm. I'd read it, but I didn't read it fully because like you'd have to like know all these bands or a few that I knew, but the rest I completely didn't know, and I didn't have a chance to click through. And some guy was just like, "Oh, someone shouted out one of my new favorite bands, and they're called Scantron, and it was Ben Blackwell from Third Man Records." And, I'm in this Facebook group, Third Man Record Collectors. So I check them out. And man, phenomenal, phenomenal band. It's an EP. They've had some other songs. Um, but this song that I really like is called Tip Top In. say that first of all it's garage rock they're from philly which i don't even know like what's going on in the philly music scene at all so that was kind of cool but this song itself has like a very black crows black mountain vibe which are like mm. two of my favorites for sure so kind of it's garage rock but still has this like rooted classic rock anchor i guess and then there's another song white linen sheets that to me sounds very like supergrass, very supergrass influenced so just i think Give the EP a check. It's called Electric City. It's phenomenal. I just think they're a band to watch. Ben Blackwell has good taste, so I figured, you know, give them a try, and it was, it was good. I think you guys would definitely, dig. Definitely check it out, yeah. Yeah, weird name. Like, Scantron is like our, you oh, know. I love it. That's great. It's kind of like, they're, yeah. It's, they're 90s kids. That You know, you could definitely tell that they're, you they know. Totally. They, they totally must have been 90s influenced, for sure. And then um, the second, it's kind of two songs, because it's kind of like an EP-ish, I think. Not even an EP, but I think it's like a single release that had an extra song on this new album. But Mad Lib, who is, uh, I guess, most known for collaborating with MF Doom, who had recently mm. passed away. We we thought recently and found out he passed away um, uh, around Halloween, Halloween. I think, right? Yeah. So rest in power to him. But it was like everybody was going nuts about Mad Villainy to the degree that now in Discogs, like you can't find a lot of MF Doom or Mad Villainy albums below like $80 right now. It's gotten insane. Crazy. So insane. But uh, I was reminded that uh, this album, when I first discovered Mad Lib prior to the Mad Villainy album, was Shades of Blue, where he had like offered to remix Blue Notes catalog, and he made this phenomenal like mashup remix album. Basically, it's just it's just beautiful. He's a really good producer. Both of these cool. songs are really soulful, really like funk and soul kind of vibed, and a little bit of hip hop. I would say edge, but the song is called Road of the Lonely. Ones. <laughs> 
I just think if you're into soul, if you're into hip hop, it's great. Now, th this may sound like a weird question because, you know, you brought up Blue Note and then like hip hop. When those two get mentioned, I think of Us Three and, mm. and the song yeah. uh, Cantaloupe. Cantaloupe, because it was taken off of Cantaloupe Island. And yes. like that was my, I remember that was the first song I knew about Herbie Hancock was through that. But then I didn't realize totally. it until like five years later. So is it, is it kind of like in that vein or is Completely. it? Completely. Uh, like there's some songs that, that sound awesome. kind of like house music-ish, but he does his own hip hop. It, it doesn't sound like, because it's like Verve remixed, I always thought uh, when I first heard that. That had more of like almost like a house and a like trip hop edge. Gotcha. He kind of does have some of those too. But I just think he he made each song its own hybrid of different songs. Like, you know what I mean? Like he really Yeah, yeah. I'll have to I'll have to have to check it out. Sounds it's really, really sounds good. Awesome. Yeah. And then the last song is is throwing it out the final collection. Um Paul McCartney's three, man. Like I cannot uh get enough of that album, honestly. Since the holidays, um, I kind of got it around Christmas, like maybe like a week before, I think. And the song Deep Deep Feeling to me is the masterpiece of the album. of being in quarantine slash you know going through going through there was already a lot of buzz about paul's got this new album he's got this new album and it's going to be all just like his other solo created you know him playing all the instruments and i can just say like i revisited one i revisited two it's just it is it's like a perfect winter album i feel like you know can't he he has impressed me that stayed relevant in this album where i felt like in the past solo albums that i had listened to it didn't feel as relevant maybe because he felt some deep emotions. I mean, this song is literally about deep, deep feelings and he's, it just has this like somber, but very, I don't know, it's just, it's a beautiful song. I, yeah, and I, I listened to the album Spotify once or twice and it's it sounds really cool. Yeah. I mean, like his previous album, was it uh, New, or was it something Egypt Station or something like that? Or mm -hmm. yeah, but, yeah it was, it was okay, like but this, this one is definitely, I was much more enjoyable. It seems like than, he was being more uh, serious. And did you get the uh, third man pressing or did you get... Uh, I was not lucky enough to get the nice yellow or blue or whatever colors that came out. I literally am like, I like kind of joke. I'm like, I have the, one of the rare black pressings because there's so... There was like 20 different pressings or something yeah, insane, yeah. all different colors. Wow. So nope, I have the stock black. I hope it's worth like a million dollars one day. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, you know, as much as we love collecting vinyl and getting special editions, it's not, you know, unless you, I remember you got really upset about people reselling vinyl, you know, buying and then reselling it. So, you know, we gotta, well, we're probably gonna keep it for our collection and maybe sell it down the road. Right. I definitely think that, um, you know, for us three, it's more about making sure we're listening to some quality music and appreciating it than, yep. you know, trying to hoard it and never open it and sell it for thousands <laughs> yeah, of dollars down the road. Precious. One day I'll sell some of my records to Jay, but that's just because he's, <laughs> he's on a tear. Not yeah. a tear, yes. <laughs>
Thanks for listening to this episode and special thanks again to Ricky Johnson for coming on to the show. We had a great time talking to him and we hope that you found the interview as informative and as enlightening as we did. You can watch his and his wife's web series on the journey to pregnancy by going to YouTube and searching for Loving RNB. That's spelled L-O-V-I-N-G-R-N-B, all one word. You can also follow Ricky on Twitter at the underscore RJ4, and the is spelled T-H-E-E, and then underscore RJ4. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast and tell your fellow music-loving dads or moms or anyone to check it out. And if you like or even love the podcast, please go ahead and give us an honest review. Those five-star reviews do help get us some other listeners. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at DadRocksPod, and we are also on Facebook. If you have any questions, comments, or any show ideas for us, or just want to give us a shout, you can email us at DadRocksPod at gmail.com. Also, we will have a Spotify playlist of all the music that you heard on the podcast today, which will be linked in the podcast description. Thanks again for listening, and remember, dads, you rock.